Hi, and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on a deep dive of the happenings of the hospitality industry. Every week, I get to talk to an incredible array of talented people about their passions and their professions. Now, if you're new here, hi. Welcome. A little background on me. I've been covering the food, beverage, and hospitality scene for the last 20 years through a variety of outlets like online, TV, print, radio, podcasts, and social. 20 years of the list, areyouonit.com. It's the online e-zine that tells you everything happening in the D.C. restaurant industry. Um, every Sunday, tune in live to Foodie and the Beast, D.C.'s only food and wine variety radio show, we are celebrating 15 years this week on air. And of course, you follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Thread, LinkedIn, YouTube. If there's a platform, you're following me. Okay, so it has been a minute because I've been out of town for about a month. And if you pay attention to my Insta feed, you know I have been traveling. I have had the incredible good fortune to travel through different areas of Italy. A little bit of work, a little bit of play. Um, but we were back to Sardinia for the first time uh, in a year because I was fortunate enough to go <laughs> last year. Uh, but then we also hit Milan and we also hit Como. So normally at this part of the show, I take you on my travels and my eats and tell you all the things. So I'm not going to take you on the whole trip because that would take up the whole show. But I am going to take you through northern Sardinia. So just a little bit. Can we first talk about the airline La Compagnie? So La Compagnie is an airline. It's a business class only airline. It only flies to Paris, Nice, and Milan. So here's the deal. From now on, I'm only flying to Paris, <laughs> Nice, and Milan because it is the most lovely, beautiful way to fly. Everything is business class. The staff is lovely. The food is created by a Michelin star chef. Um, it's how flying, I think, should always be. I don't know what happened to the airline. That's another show. But this is how flying should be. So La Compagnie, woohoo, we love it. It was amazing. And then now let me tell you where we went to Sardinia. So last year we did half north, half south. This year we were like, south is lovely. I never need to go back. We love the north. So we stay in a town called San Pantaleo. It is a gorgeous little hill town. Um, it looks like super easy and homegrown, but it's super chic and beautiful. And the food is amazing. We stay at Petra Segreta, which is the secret rock. It is a little outside of San Pantaleo. It is a Relais Chateau property. It is beautiful. The staff is amazing. If you go have Franco, the concierge there, take care of your every whim because he will do that for you. <laughs> um, he set us up every day. So for those of you who haven't been to Sardinia, here's how it works. You get up in the morning, and then you go to a beach, a different beach every day. And in Europe and in Sardinia, which is in Europe, um, it is um, so civilized. There are chairs there that you can pay for and you arrange them in advance. So you get to the beach, you're not schlepping your life with you and you sit down and there is usually a towel, a chair, and you get to sit at the ocean. And it is just, how it should be everywhere. All the beaches in this country should take note. Anyway, um, we went to a different beach every day. The other gorgeous thing about it is that there's like these restaurants on the beach and they really don't look like much. And then you walk in and they're serving on china and silver and it's lobster pasta and clam pasta and um, 
fresh fish and pasta. I mean, basically it's pasta <laughs> with um, in Sardinia seafood. Um, so every day we would be on the beach in gorgeous crystal blue waters. Um, our favorite beach is uh, Calo Granu. It's just beautiful. And the restaurant there is just amazingly delicious. Although we do love J Beach as well. And the J Beach restaurant is just crazy, crazy good. In the evening, we really stayed close to San Pantaleo because driving around there, the roads are super curvy and super tiny. So you want to stay close, especially if you're drinking any of the Vermentino or Cananao that they pour in Sardinia. Uh, we did hit a couple of wineries and we did one day drive all the way across the country, uh, across the island to the other side to go to Alguero uh, and took a boat trip of the cliffs which if you have the opportunity, it's really spectacular. And again, all of that is on my Instagram. So we ended back at Petra Segreta. Uh, we did our last night at the Michelin starred restaurant, um, Il Fuco Sacro, which is at uh, Petra Segreta. It just had a spectacular, lovely evening. You can see that also on Instagram. Um, there's a fabulous photo that this couple who was sitting behind us took of David and I. Um, I actually posted it today because it's my 27th wedding anniversary. Mm. So um, take a look, have any questions. If you want to go, I am delighted to help all of you. Next time I come on air, we're going to talk Como. Lots to discuss there. Lots of good food too. Okay. Back to like life here because we have so much else to talk about. So if you're paying attention, you see that I'm not sitting in the wine lair because <laughs> I'm not shooting the show there. Um, I'm in a brand new gorgeous setting, the beautiful Capital Jewish Museum in downtown DC. Now, some of you who have been watching or listening to me for a long time may remember that I had the team from the museum on last year. Uh, the museum was not opened, um, but as a way to get people excited about the opening, they threw this pretty fabulous festival last October. I was there. I interviewed Michael Twitty. The sun was shining. The food was delicious. <laughs> all the people were there. But the museum was not open. So guess what? It is open now. It opened its doors in the spring of 2023, and it is glorious. Now, last year I heard from some people, another Jewish museum. <laughs> So let's just like get this out of the way. The Holocaust Museum is not a museum celebrating the life and times of Jewish people. It bears witness to the tragedy of the Holocaust. It has its place. The Capital Jewish Museum explores the Jewish experience in the national capital. And it really is inspiring and inspires visitors, visitors excuse me, to connect and reflect. It is beautifully laid out and it's so thoughtfully curated. So I'm so excited because I'm going to talk to some of the people today who helped make all of that happen. So sitting next to me, I have Mal Malky Karpowski. She just started here, uh, but she is going to tell us all the things today. She is the Chief Advancement Officer of the Capital Jewish Museum. I have next to me here, Bettina Noy. Noider Brown. Um, we've practiced her name. Times. Uh, she is the lead designer of this museum with the Smith Group. And I can't wait to hear how she executed the vision and made it happen. And then Sarah Levitt. Levitt. Sorry, Sarah Levitt. The easiest name I screwed up. Uh, so she is the curator here. And I've actually spent some time with Sarah today just walking around, looking at all the magnificent um, exhibits. So we're going to get to all of it. So I'm going to start with Malfi. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. I know this is like totally throwing you into the fire. Absolutely. Your like announcement is today, like launches today. So 
But so for people who don't know sure. about the Capitol Jewish Museum, what is it? Why is it? Like, let's just explain what it is. Sure. Um, so the Capitol Jewish Museum, or the Lillian and Albert Small Capitol Jewish Museum, right. um, really came because there's a beautiful cultural landscape here in D.C. Mm -hmm. And I think we realized that um, it really needed to be rounded out with a museum that focused on the Jewish community. Mm. Like you said, all of these museums have a wonderful place. They share important history. Um, and they provide so much wonderful education. And we want to help enhance what that landscape is through the Lillian Albert Small Capital Jewish Museum. Is that what we're, am I calling it wrong? Um, I just want to give uh, recognition <laughs> to our founders and, okay. and their great grandparents who they wanted to honor. I love name. that. Okay, so let's talk about the founders. Who were the people, like, there's all these people involved, obviously, who donated yes. money. But what was the initial vision and who had it and what what were they hoping for here? It's a great question. Um, and as you know, I am very new. So right. I'll fill in a little bit of the history. Mm -hmm. And um, there's so much more to, to be shared. Okay. Um, a lot. Um, so actually, before it became the Capital Jewish Museum, it was the Washington Jewish Historical Society. Right. And that started in around the mid 60s um, when the original Addis Israel building, which was built in 1876, um, was about to be torn down. And the, a group recognized the importance of it as a historical landmark and mm -hmm. decided that they wanted to maintain it and make sure that it was, um, you know, secure. Mm. Um, and it has moved places from time to time. Um, and then I think the vision of what a museum in the D.C. area would mean um, really started to take hold. Um, and it, it honors not just the Jews who were in D.C., although so much of the Jewish community started right here in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, it really honors both the Maryland um, neighbor, uh, suburbs, the northern Virginia suburbs. And well, the metro area. Exactly. Right? I mean, exactly. I think if you live in the D.C. area... You really include yes. Virginia and Maryland as, as all of it, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. And what? So, what did the society do, and how did it? How did it? What was the original thought process, really? Like, yes, there are Jews in this city, just like there's Jews in lots of cities. But what was? What were the stories that they were looking to tell, and and what were they hoping to convey in putting a museum together? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. I actually wonder if that's a better question for, for Sarah. Possibly. Okay. <laughs> um, but I do think that um, what it has turned into is so much of what you've said, which mm -hmm. is an opportunity for um, people, not just members of the Jewish community, mm -hmm. to connect with the artifacts, the items that are in the museum, reflect on their meaning both in their lives and possibly in the broader community and act and understand how they can help make the world a better place in whatever way, shape, or form that they want. Mm -hmm. um, and so really, it is it is a museum, right? There are things that are concrete, um, and but what we're hoping for is the actions and behaviors that come from it to really enhance what the world could be. Well, it seems to me like it, it's an opening for a conversation. Right, that it's really about getting people to think. Yes, 
about all the different communities that are here in DC. I think that's great. And one of the values that this museum was founded on is the value of machloket, which mm -hmm. is the Hebrew word for conflict. Mm -hmm. And you know, being in DC. I feel like Jewish people are filled <laughs> with conflicts. As a Jew, I could speak to that. Go ahead. And DC is very much known for that, obviously. And I think the whole idea is that we can have conflict, but in a meaningful, productive, and constructive way. Hmm. And so if we can be a part of that and help lead to better conflict, to what we call machloket l'shem shemayim, of um, conflict in kind of in the name of heaven, um, and to really go towards that effort to act, to make the world better, that's what we're really trying to do. Okay, I love that. All right, I'm gonna go to Bettina next, because Bettina, you're, you've executed the whole thing of what we're sitting in today. So who did you work with initially? How did you come on board and, and, and how did you help create the vision? Yeah, um, so we started Smith Group, my, um, uh, my firm. Uh, I'm working in the cultural studio and we are really involved in cultural projects in in the city. Um, mm -hmm. This project um, we actually won through a competition that took place um, quite some time ago and um, we um, entered this competition really with the idea of um, you know helping the museum understand what the museum can be here on the site um, it's, a, it's part of a bigger development. I'm not sure you noticed, but we are sitting basically on top of a, of a big garage. And so um, there were a lot of um, issues to deal with for the architect to really um, coordinate the vision of the museum with the um, realities on the ground. Oh, so wait, let me ask a question because obviously there's been a tremendous amount of building in the area we're in right now. Right. Capital Crossing has just opened up. So was that part of the things you had to deal with as yes. you were wow yeah fascinating yeah we had to coordinate you know with the other um, elements that were going on mm -hmm. on site um so um i was really working on this project um from from really from the beginning mm -hmm. um concept phase you know you really try to understand uh the program side of the project um you try to understand the really important um mission points that the museum wants to um, express in the building. And of course, we want to take care of the most important artifact that the museum really has, which is the, the original synagogue. <laughs> synagogue. Yeah. So had you ever worked on something like that before? No, but you know, that's part of the fun of working right. in the uh, cultural studio because every project is different and every project has its own challenges. So how did you go about integrating the original synagogue and then sort of creating a museum space because building a museum space is not like building an apartment building or you know right. a house right. um or an office space you know you're you're looking for sort of a, a roadmap that people can engage with right. within a space so how did you go about incorporating the synagogue and then creating the effects that those in charge wanted for the feel of and vibe of the museum yeah um that, um, you know, the synagogue was always uh, one of the focal points. Uh, the original location before it was here mm -hmm. was up the street, and there it was just sitting wrong. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the... Wait, um, it was sitting wrong? It was sitting in the wrong orientation. Okay. It's supposed to face east, and yeah. it didn't. Oh, and it didn't. It right, did you mentioned not. that earlier. Yeah. Okay. So that was, you know, I mean, that was just a given for us to really 
you know, we want to place the synagogue right. We want to showcase the synagogue. Okay. So um, that just really led to its location where it is right now at the corner. Mm -hmm. You can really see it. It's right across from the building museum. Mm -hmm. um, it's just going to help really create and, you know, add life to this to this area that is really developing and filling in with, um, you know, with more um, people and more mm -hmm. institutions. So, um, so that was really our starting point. You have a program, you really want to draw people in, you want to touch the existing building lightly. So, you know, a, a light filled lobby space was really what we wanted to have. So pieces were falling into place mm -hmm. just by given, um, you know, what, what the program is, what the site constraints are, and what you really want to achieve with the building. Okay. And so once you had that in place, were there ideas or things that you or your team brought to the table that you were like, this is what's happening in some other museums? You know, these are the kinds of areas, or whether gathering spaces, um, you know, like I think about the room we're in right now. Were recommendations made or were there people who were like, no, 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 we want a lab, but we want X, we want Y. Yeah, this is something, you know, in the initial phases, uh, you really work with the museum through the program. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's really a collaborative um, interaction. We want to make sure that, you know, that the right square footage is provided for um, the um, exhibits, of course, the support spaces. Mm -hmm. We're working with exhibit designers. You know, it's a big team effort uh, to really make sure that this is done right right uh, and of course the museum had you know uh, has a mission that we're supporting right so you're helping execute that and create that and and make it work yeah. um so sarah i want to bring you mm -hmm. in so as the curator mm -hmm. i mean you work with everybody yes <laughs> so let's talk a little bit um about sort of the initial vision and how it evolved right because what when did you all start working on this? Was it 2016? So people have, yes, I joined the project in 2020. Okay. Um, so toward the end of 2020 and folks had already been working on this five years. Right. Um, something like that. Uh, this kind of project has a long lead time. It's a big team, lots of, lots of consultants and other folks um, that had joined in to try to figure out what it would mean to change from a historical society into a museum. Okay. Uh, which is a pretty big transition because a historical society was the Jewish Historical Society of Greater Washington uh -huh. was set up to using words like celebrate the contributions of Jews to the to Washington DC. Uh -huh. They actually, you know, you, you mentioned the DMV, they were much less interested in that. Um, they uh, were very focused on the district, which is interesting, of course, especially in Jewish history, um, but in any kind of urban history and where you see- uh, Well, white, sprawl, when you, you see, see sprawl, sprawl, you see coming. white flight out of the yes. district, certainly is, is one of our big stories here and, and the Jews were certainly part of that story. So uh -huh. um, in order to tell that story, you have to follow them into Maryland. Um, you can't just leave them at the border. Uh, so uh, part, of, part of our, when I joined the project, um, and part of the reason I was brought in um, a couple of years ago was to really help figure out how to tell some of that nuance, how to tell some of those stories that maybe aren't about celebrating the contributions, but are kind of about looking at the community a little more broadly. What sorts of choices did people make that maybe we don't want to celebrate today? Um, and how do we talk about that in a museum? And that's, that's kind of my favorite thing. Right. <laughs> well, because as a curator, you like history. Yes. <laughs> and you want to tell, but you know, but mm -hmm. I think it's really important. I think you bring up a very good point. There are, there's plenty to celebrate, sure. but you have to look at 
the history mm-hmm. of it's a it's a celebration of the Jewish people in this area, but it doesn't mean everything is worth celebrating. <laughs> right, right. Right. Absolutely. So how did you guys go about? I know you came in a little later, mm-hmm. but can you talk a little bit about the process of how the timeline was put together, mm-hmm. how the different exhibits were put together? Like walk us us on a, a walking tour. What's funny about this walking tour, of course, is it's mostly in, you know, my living room um, because, right. of course, it was 2020 um, and we were all working from home. Um, and, of course, we didn't have a building yet. Right. <laughs> so we had a construction site. Um, so the first times that our staff came together in person was like on a hard hat tour of the building um, or we would we met outside in a couple locations. Right. If you all remember uh 2021, good times. Um, right. So um, mask in place. It, right. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> and all the pictures of the early staff are all were all on their masks. Um, and I and I think um, you know that did. It's interesting. I think later on we'll look and see how the pandemic influenced um, the building of telling of history, the building of museums in that period. Mm-hmm. It was different. Um, and part of that was it was a lot of talking with my team, my curatorial team. Um, definitely not just me in my living room, but we were on Zoom talking to a lot of different people, a lot of different historians. We were reading a lot. We were reading oral histories. We were trying to put together um, that timeline. You talk mm-hmm. about um, literally the, the timeline of like, how do we get this done in, in three years in order to open, but also the timeline of, of Jewish history. And what does that mean when we say Jewish life in Washington? Who are we talking about? Um, right. And how do we get those voices that maybe we hadn't heard from before? The Historical Society definitely had you know, certain people's whose stories they were telling um, and, and materials that we had from them. But the Jewish community is so much bigger than that, um, than those than those groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was part of our job. And how do we do that on Zoom? Right. <laughs> it was, a, was a challenge. Um, but it's a, that but was, meanwhile, that was, it's open. Meanwhile, right it's here. open. Yes, it's so exciting. So <laughs> let's talk about, let's go back to that. So mm-hmm. you have a timeline. Mm-hmm. here. It's mm-hmm. part of the exhibit. Yes. So it, when you enter the museum, mm-hmm. let's go through how how you would Bring give a me visitor. a guide. Mm-hmm. Yes. Through. Where would I start? How would I go? I walk through the doors and, and the beautiful light-filled atrium. Yes. Um, beautiful. To your point. Yes. And we look With at the... With a little the... nosh corner. Absolutely. You know the that's what pit. I saw <laughs> yes. I was like, ooh, is there food here? Of course. Okay. We can have a snack, but not in the gallery. Yes. Um, and then we finish our snack and we, um, we of course, you see our most precious artifact, the, the historic synagogue first. And uh-huh. we walk into the ground floor of that synagogue. And what's kind of nice about that symbolically is, of course, that when that, when that building was used as a synagogue, um, that was where classrooms were. And that's where meetings were held. And if you know, if you've ever been to a synagogue meeting, uh, <laughs> Um, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but, um, but everybody has something it's, to say. It's, cont- it's contentious. Yeah. It's long. Um, I'm, you know, I'm involved in in my synagogue and a lot of committees, and you, you know, you see that the, that's where the work happens, right? Mm-hmm. Is in those types of conversations. So that's where we put the exhibit um, that t- that takes us through history from 1790 when the District of Columbia was established as a city, uh, and the first Jewish family um, was was here in the 1790s, early 1800s. Mm. Um, it's very tiny little community. We call that section not quite a minion because they didn't even have 10 people. Ten people. And we, um, to, to say some some of the prayers, of course. Um, uh, so we take it through all the way. The last thing on the timeline is the opening of the museum in 2023, which uh-huh. I guess is a little cheeky, but we put ourselves right on the timeline. I, I, that's why you should. <laughs> okay, Very so historic. we start there, we get a timeline. Yes, and the other things in the, that exhibit talk about the, the growth and movement of, of, of Jews in this area, mm-hmm. um, different uh, we focus on a couple of different um, 
people and careers and grocery stores and restrictive covenants and all of these things get taken together, funding for um, and about uh, funding for Israel, um, dances, uh, high school sweetheart dances and sororities, <laughs> all kinds of stories um, that, that take us all the way through the, the pandemic. Um, we, we have a matching mask and talit um, kind of ending that section um, to look at, at how the Jewish community um, worshiped through the pandemic. Um, so that's the, the history, really, right. that, that chronology kind of digging in. Which I really love because I think it's important to see to see the progression mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of how when people arrive. I, you know, mm-hmm. everybody is very um, sort of myopic about their own history about when, and just <laughs> right. kind of assumptive about yes. whether or not, you know, like my family came, most of my family, not all, but most of my family came over in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. um, except my father's grandfather's family all like came over like in the early 1800s you know like I think everybody has these presumptions that everybody came over at the same time and DC is an interesting story of it's a the the first immigrants here were actually not off the boat from Europe as we say but um but mostly from other American cities and they came here for Mm. jobs and looking for work and the big migration and migration into DC of course, is during wartime. Um, mm-hmm. That's when um, that's when the, the federal government expands. So during the Civil War, during World War One, sure, um, and especially the New Deal brought a lot of Jews to the city. World War Two, um, so that's when you kind of see the big population growth. Wow. Um, so that's kind of interesting. So it's not necessarily, we do have a samovar, but it's not really that that old that old um, right. Ashkenazi uh, speaking Yiddish story. Of course, that's part of the story, but it's only part. Um, and we have a lot of different communities that that come here. And then, so if we, once we leave the timeline, yes, we where do we go next? Go upstairs okay. um, to the second floor of the historic synagogue, which is where the sanctuary was, mm-hmm. um, and I guess still is, although it's um, it can be used in lots of different ways. Uh, how we're using it now um, is during museum hours, as we're showing a film, um, and that film it's on three. It's kind of a visual experience on three different walls, and that talks about the experience of. Um, the synagogue itself. So the synagogue was in that room um, from 1876 until 1908 when the, the congregation moved um, mm-hmm. across town. And then that the, the building was sold and it was used by all kinds of different uh, groups. Right, to, it was like a barbecue place, it was a barbecue, right? Yeah. I love that with the pig out front. <laughs> yes, that's everyone's favorite, the neon pig. Right. Um, it was uh, several different churches used that <laughs> upstairs room, um, some, a lot of businesses downstairs. So we do have all, you know, all of that information. If anyone's curious about the soap company that was here, we have all I that. Think, I love that kind of stuff. I think it's very cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So we're going to leave the sanctuary. Yes. And we get, we get to walk across a bridge, which was, I think Bettina's going to talk about that, this beautiful linking the old building to the new building. Mm-hmm. Um, it made the, the second floor of the sanctuary accessible, which it never was in its whole history, of course. It just had those tiny little stairways. Um, okay. So I'm going to put a... Yeah pinning you for just a second <laughs> because I want to talk about the core exhibit mm-hmm. that we'll get to. Okay. But Bettina, why don't we bring you in and talk about the vision you, cause we talked about how you had to work with the synagogue, but now connecting this relic with the newness. What, what was the vision, the materials? How did you guys go about executing the look that's here today? Yes. Um, so one of the design challenges for this project really is connecting synagogue with the new museum, which Mm -hmm. is a structure that is about seven times larger than this really small um, synagogue. So um, we were really challenged to make this all integrated with each other and really make it 
feel like a whole, but still providing the space for the, for the synagogue. So it's really, the project is really about connecting old with new. Mm -hmm. And um, the bridge is part of, of that connection. You literally, you know, walk from the old space through the very new space to um, the exhibits that will tell you more about the story. But um, we also um, attempted to do this on the exterior, especially with the materials as well, the connection of old with new. So, you know, it's a simple structure. We have brick, we have glass, right. and we have metal for the roofs. And all of these simple materials get reinterpreted in the new structure. Mm -hmm. um, the brick, which really tells a little bit of the story of the synagogue. If you look at it, you know, it's not the same brick. It's like very different brick parts uh, everywhere talking about, you know, different windows and the changes over time. That gets reinterpreted in the terracotta paneling on the synagogue, mm -hmm. uh, on, the, on the museum, of course. Right. Um, so, you know. Yeah, right, at the entrance. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it's, the building is basically clad in terracotta. Mm. Um, which is the interpretation, a modern interpretation of the brick. Then, you know, the, the glass filled, um, the glass um, curtain walls in the lobby is the reinterpretation of the windows of the mm -hmm. synagogue. And then the roof of the synagogue, the metal roof gets re-envisioned in a red ribbon, picking up on the color that really connects all the different uh, shifting volumes of the new museum with each other. So we were really, conscious of making this connection between old and new. You know, that's fascinating because if you're just walking through it, you're just visually appreciating it, but knowing what went into it makes it <laughs> that much more fascinating. Yeah. You know, like, it's just like I'm crossing the bridge. I'm like, that's so pretty. <laughs> but I love um, the intention that was a part of everything you all did to give the effect. Yes. Uh, that came across. Um, okay, so we crossed that bridge. Beautiful bridge. <laughs> well, we came to it. Yes. Um, so let's talk about the core exhibit and what people can experience in there because there's some really interactive um, activations in there mm -hmm. that really make it fun and engaging for really all ages. Hopefully all ages. Yeah, we have something for everyone. So we have some tactile things, um, some more analog uh, interactives, and then, of course, we have two... Uh, tables, um, interactive tables that are a little more like electronic um, that definitely people gather, to, well, yes, and gather when around. When people see which is, video, they're yes. like, what is that? Exactly. I mean, you would think they've never seen a screen in their lives. <laughs> they're literally but, holding one. Right? I know, right. But I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. it's attractive. Absolutely. And, they, and the tables work in different ways and they can work the, one of them, the Seder table, we welcome people in to have basically an argument at the Seder table. Mm -hmm. um, about... Get into my house, I think. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, we have, the, we actually, the table will, will play a little video about certain um, stories of liberation that have to do with Washington Jews, and then it will ask questions mm -hmm. um, that some have to do with illegal immigration or protesting and, and things that, that people can, they answer it, and then they're asked to kind of discuss amongst themselves at the right. table, which is fabulous to actually watch visitors doing that um, after so long. Well, so can we talk, I love the big video screen, the big video table mm -hmm. in there that sort of pinpoints where grocery stores the are, map. Mm -hmm. the map of sort of the nomads of Jews in this area and where <laughs> they mm -hmm. went and how they mm -hmm. traveled. What was, whose idea was that? What was the, like, it's such an interesting thing to be able to watch. 
Can yes. we talk about it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was not my idea, although, uh, you know, my team did you all the... You take that for us. <laughs> sure, but it was definitely... Uh, no, but of course, my team, you know, we did all the, the, the work and the inputting of the information and working with the, the company, um, mm-hmm. Potion, out of Brooklyn, New York, that designed it and programmed it. Um, but yeah, it does a couple things, that table. It's kind of multi multifaceted. Um, one of the things that you were watching when we were down there was um, it goes through the decade. So it's kind of playing on a loop going from the 1860s until the 2020s. Right. And it pinpoints all of the synagogues in the area and the Jewish institutions. So like cemeteries, Jewish community center, um, Hebrew home for the aged, things like that. Um, those are in different colors. So you can kind of see it. And so as the decades roll, the synagogues there's move, more of them right. and they move north and you can really see that happen. You can see it, the moving north along Rock Creek Park, um, mm-hmm. which is right through the center of the district. Um, and then you can see where it's 1940s. They're all along that list. And then that, 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 um, what do you call it? The street. Yes. Um, uh, and then access. That's the word I was looking for. Um, and then the 19, 19- 50s happen and you could so the first synagogue in Montgomery County was 1948 and so by the 1950s decade boom all of a sudden um you can see uh the the movement into into the suburbs the white flight into Montgomery County and then that just builds and builds and builds for the next couple decades and then you start to see the growth in Northern Virginia so you can actually kind of watch um movement and growth happen on the map which is fascinating it's Um, very cool yeah so that's fun um and also instructive especially if, if um you know, if you if you under if you see what's happening um, and kind of and can build a context, which hopefully downstairs you've gotten some of that context uh, right. to bring upstairs with you. And the other thing you can do, though, there's iPads that you can a huge database, and we're building it all the time of hundreds of. Um, you mentioned grocery stores of Jewish-owned businesses mm-hmm. um, in the. Of course, I said grocery in the store. area. <laughs> grocery stores. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about them. And liquor stores. We talked right. about too. Yes, um, we did. We talked about also how beauty shops were. It was more of a um, Sephardic Jewish um, mm-hmm. uh, trend to open beauty shops instead of grocery stores. So you can see some of those. Um, you can also see the, the Jewish institutions and the cemeteries. Of course, the cemeteries don't move, but everything right. <laughs> everything else moves. They around. better not. I mean, <laughs> but there's more. There of was them. a movie about what happens. <laughs> And then, so those are the two core exhibits. So there's the, the identity part, um, that there's, there's four sections in there. So there's mm-hmm. the, the map table, there's the Seder table. Right. Um, and the map table is also on the, on the walls. We talk about community and where we find, com- where, where the mm-hmm. Jewish Washington is found community. Then we ask our visitors, where do you find community? Do you have a work community? Do you find community through where you might eat or, mm-hmm. or play sports or things like that. Um, and, um, and then we have the identity section, which has the cubes where people can pile up. Uh, so the cubes are like big blocks. I mean, mm-hmm. I just have to sort of interrupt. And they're, yeah. it's, it wasn't until you started moving them around. They have mm-hmm. photos of people from the area over mm-hmm. the years. And then there are words. So you want to sort of say who you are based on the words that you pull, right? Right. So it could say activist, mother, Democrat. I'm just using words to describe me, right. um, <laughs> but you can you can pile them up. We have one, there, so they get some like some say scientist or um, I'm definitely not. Um, but we have my favorite one, which says museum lover, mm-hmm. um, and um, we have all kinds of. We do have a curator one. We have a bunch of lawyers um, and federal workers. Sure. Um, so all kinds of things. And the idea is that people can pile them up and kind of flip them around to find words that they think describe themselves and it's kind of fun also if you come with a friend 
or somebody you know or someone in your family, you can build towers for each other and see if you pick words that, um, yeah, that people it's like. Um, I had a visitor uh, the other day and one of her friends used the word feminist to describe her. And she was like, oh, I don't know if I want that one. So that was kind of, and then they had a discussion about it. Um, oh my God, we're about fantastic. to go down a rabbit hole about why she doesn't want to be a feminist. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. Super interesting. Um, that's kind of, that's my favorite thing when I, um, my, when I'm in the gallery and I see people like either arguing about something that they see or discussing it, or I didn't know that. That's, that's, those are love words. Um, then the, the last section in there is called Tikkun Olam, we repair the world. And we talk about some issues that have been important here in DC and kind of look at the look at the issues from a DC perspective and from a Jewish perspective. So mm -hmm. we have climate change and immigration rights and voting rights and reproductive rights, look at abortion from all different. Well, um, actually, I thought it was really interesting and I'm sort of curious where you are on this because politics does sort of feel throughout the museum. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we're in DC, <laughs> but it is really interesting all the politics that you see throughout the museum. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just because some Jews are in politics right. or they're lawyers or lobbyists, but mm -hmm. it's because of life and yep. history. Mm -hmm. So it's so much more a history museum, mm -hmm. really, than anything Absolutely. else. Mm -hmm. So I am, because I asked you when we were in the museum, we were talking about um, where people, uh, a, you said a, a woman was very upset about the use of the term apartheid. Apartheid. This morning, yes. This morning mm -hmm. when they were talking about <laughs> Israel mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. Palestinian issue. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, then there's abortion. And then there's mm -hmm. all these things that are, you know, not that they should all be political issues, but they are. Sure. Um, so I was just sort of curious, like, what, how do people respond to that? What are the reactions that you hear? What, what did you think when you first came here? Were you surprised by it? What were your thoughts? And Bettina, you, I mean, <laughs> even just putting this museum together, how that makes you feel. You want to start? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, so we, um, you know, we worked closely with the back then to the historical society and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we got a little bit into what uh, the, the exhibit spaces really want to, you know, show uh, and how we can support it. And, you know, to me, it's like, it's very, um, What's the right word? Um, it's it's very satisfying to come here now that the museum is open and mm -hmm. see all the different pieces mm -hmm. coming together mm -hmm. and really um, see what the exhibit space that we as architects really just, you know, we just provide a warm shell for the exhibit designer really to fill out. But, um, you know, we, our hearts are all in there as well. So. Um, um, yes, so uh, having a, you know, a, a museum that focuses on uh, history that really comes all the way up to today mm -hmm. is, um, is very interesting. It's great to work on. Yeah, I agree. It's exciting. And how did you feel since, you know, you're, you're the new one here at the table, yeah. you know, seeing all the issues that are brought up? Because as Sarah said, you know, it's, a museum, it's a celebratory museum, but not everything. Mm -hmm. We don't get to pat ourselves on the back for everything we've <laughs> for done. Sure. True. So how did you feel about that? And, and what are some of the responses you get from some of the people who come in and maybe say, why are we talking about abortion here? Sure. Or why are we talking about civil rights here? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, as Sarah and I had a talk, I was <laughs> like, yeah, Jews think they're big civil rights, you know, 
people. And she's like, not so much. <laughs> well, they do think that. Yes. No, they do think yes. that. I think that, but I got a big education today. Um, so uh, the museum like may have a type that likes to hire because I am very much in the same <laughs> ilk as Sarah, where I actually think that there is such a breadth and a range of how people engage with their Judaism and see how it connects with America and what their identity is that mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. I think that's important. I think that is exactly what we should be encouraging and embracing. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, thankfully, I haven't had that many uh, people who have given me that kind of feedback that it's a negative thing. But I think for me, it will absolutely be something that I will appreciate the feedback and also share how important it is. I think for us as a community to be able to engage with conflict and with conversation because I do think it's something that's not necessarily happening across America and to be a center for it mm -hmm. is and amazing. You see somebody, somebody's looking They're for something. They're my next-door neighbors growing up. They're right outside. <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. That's hysterical. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Okay. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Don't be silly. I love it. That's darling. Okay, well, hurry up with you so you yeah, can so, say No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I'm so okay. sorry about that. No, I love um, it. But it shows how lovely and deeply embedded I am in this community, how right. wonderful it is, how it has been such a core piece of, of who I am. And I hope that when others come and see the aspects of it, they connect with it. Mm -hmm. Again, part of our mission. They understand what it means for them. They reflect on what it means for them and then act, right? Like there's a lot of stasis. There's a lot of inertia. There's a lot of digging in because you feel like you already know or that mm -hmm. this is truth or fact or whatnot. And to be given that opportunity to consider something else, to consider a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that I think about is um, there's a saying, uh, this phrase in Judaism, Shivim Panim Torah, that there are 70 faces of the Torah and that really you could take any different perspective, look at it in different ways mm. and find a truth there. And I think that's both um, so amazing and also allows us to have those conversations and hopefully in good faith. I love that. I, I, and I hope you're right. Yeah. But I, I'm sort of curious, was it hard when they were putting together these exhibits? Mm -hmm. Was there a lot of arguing about people being like, no, 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 no. We want to look good here. Yes. That's not the story we want to tell. Correct. Yes. Okay. So how, how did you deal with that? <laughs> uh, well, I think we're in a, I mean, we've all seen it happen all around us where the big concern right now is that in, in teaching history is that some things in history, people are worried they're going to make people feel badly about themselves. Um, and I don't want, like, you go to some of these school board meetings, I don't want my kid to feel bad about themselves. Instead of really learning from the situation and being like, maybe don't do this in the future? Correct. Okay. Um, I think we're all on the same page here. And that's, you know, as a, as a parent, as a citizen, as a person, that is upsetting. Right. Um, so, my, you know, I've long felt that my job, I've been a museum curator more than 30 years. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, as I've uh, as my career has evolved, I've really gotten much more interested in museums as a place uh, place to challenge people, mm -hmm. a place to maybe talk about things that are a little more complicated and hard. Um, and, I, you know, it's, I don't mean that the goal is to make 
people feel bad about themselves, but I do mean that the goal is to make people think a little bit, um, get back on their heels a little bit. Um, and well, maybe if I'm hearing you correctly, it's you, you don't know it all, right? That's why you're here. <laughs> Absolutely. You're here to learn something. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's so important. I actually think it helps people. I mm -hmm. think if you're taught a certain history when you're younger, then you start learning the opposite of it or different aspects of it, it becomes very difficult to then hold both of them. And so mm -hmm. to be able to recognize that there's mm -hmm. nuance mm -hmm. when you're younger, and mm -hmm. maybe you don't know the breadth of that nuance yet, but you start understanding, you build up just like with children, right? Mm -hmm. You build up their understanding so that when you get to the point where they are capable of fully understanding it, they have the full story. Sure. And be able to, um, Grab well, it. at least the foundation. Yes, and right? grapple with because it. Because always, we're always building on it. The Absolutely. story doesn't end, right? <laughs> and and grapple with yeah. it appropriately instead mm -hmm. of just whitewashing it and then being like, this doesn't even make sense. There's no consistency or it's hypocrisy. And, and then you often lose um, that opportunity to, to make it a fulsome story. Mm -hmm. Well, since you mentioned children, okay. I'm sort of curious what the vision is about age appropriateness, mm -hmm. about sort of the programming you have here. I mean, I'm looking at a bunch of children's books over here. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about engaging with uh, people, who, visitors who come in. I'll take it from anybody. <laughs> yeah, Brit, come in. All of yeah, the children, okay. all of the grownups, all of everybody. Um, yeah, so we uh, we have a new person starting next week um, to really enhance and build up our um, youth and family programs. Mm. We're really excited to get school field trips in here. Um, uh, we haven't had that opportunity yet, but what, that's something that's coming. We're looking forward to that. Uh, so we do have this room, um, which is an opportunity for hopefully for grownups to talk to each other and also to, to talk with the children they came with um, to really dig into some craft activities some um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> looking towards uh, social justice projects in this room. Mm -hmm. um, and, and obviously, yes, and we do have a, a big library so they could come and, come and read. And what about from your perspective? Um, so I have first-hand experience in that I actually brought my children here. Okay. <laughs> and we came in and there were, you know, of course, it's difficult for a, a five-year-old, a child who doesn't read, to really engage with, you know, for me, what's probably one of the most interesting aspects of the museum, which is the timeline and really mm -hmm. the different parts of it. But there's enough video, enough interactive um, that it really gives them um, sufficient reason to kind of understand and be and start that process of learning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is so much here that the intention and the hope is that people come back and sure. continue to come Absolutely. back. And you might get to this, but we have special exhibitions. And so that's going to be a rotating rotate Well, that was going to be my next thing. So we have mm -hmm. a special exhibition here right now, right? Can we talk about that? Yes, right now through um, the end of November, we have an exhibition visiting from the Skirball Cultural Center in Los Angeles about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm -hmm. um, Supreme Court Justice. It's about her life and her work, outlines a lot of the court cases that she worked on throughout her career, both at the, the ACLU and then, of course, on the court. Um, so mm -hmm. that is uh, it's a nice opportunity to feature one Jewish Washingtonian. Um, right. well, future exhibitions will probably... Who died be, on Rosh Hashanah, but yes. And we, we talk about that. We added... So the exhibition has been traveling for many years. We did add a case at the end um, with some objects from our own collection, including um, a collection that our collections curator uh, actually took from um, the, the Supreme Court after she passed away, which mm -hmm. were post-it notes with... Um, hundreds of post-it notes with notes um, that people had written from mm -hmm. the heart. Uh, after she died. So we have some of those up in the exhibit. 
Well, so what we haven't really talked about was the curation. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about the exhibits and what you have here, mm -hmm. but how'd you go about collecting all this stuff? <laughs> I mean, where yeah. did you get it from? How did you get it? How did you bring it here? I mean, can people still give you stuff? Yes, like, how does absolutely. it work? Yes, we are, we are constantly collecting. Our collections curator, Jonathan Edelman, um, is upstairs right now up in our archives. Um, going through, uh, he gets calls every day. He digs through people's attics. He cold calls places when, mm. for example, the um, we have a number of things in this collection that he just reached out when he, he noticed the Hebrew home for the aged was, was um, it hadn't been at its site in Petworth for 40 years. And they, the city of Washington was in the process of renovating the building for, um, for uh, elderly people. He, um, was asked, he asked, he called them up, called up the construction site, and asked about the, the Jewish star in the window. Oh yeah, um, and what were they going to do with it? And they were like, "Well, it's sitting out by the dumpster." He literally like put on a hard hat and went down there and, um, and found it. Isn't that <laughs> and, amazing. And took it, and then and then it had to be um, the structure of, of our building had to be kind of changed to accommodate it. Because were you like great? Pounds. That's terrific. <laughs> yeah, Thank exactly. you. <laughs> so that was fun. He, he has called local businesses um, to ask for things. Um, but yeah, people have reached out to us now. Of course, some of it is like, you didn't include me in the exhibit. And so um, that's an opportunity to say, okay, well, great. Why don't you donate some things? And, um, and we do have a, a brand new, as of last week, we have a brand new case in the lobby, um, which we um, which we can rotate in and out. So this last week we put in uh, materials from our collection about that all were were from federal workers, of course, in advance of the of the shutdown last week, which didn't happen. happen. But we still want to um, uh, shine some love uh, on federal workers who are, are constantly caught in this um, in this net uh, mm -hmm. by working here. So so that's something that was super fun, and we could we could just put that um, put it in a case downstairs. So yes, we want to rotate things um, in that case, and and we have the opportunity in our special collections gallery as well. Okay, so how many um, special exhibits do you have right now? Just the Ruth Bader Just the Ginsburg. one, just Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So okay. that's a, on the third Ends floor. Ends in November. Ends at the end of November. Do we know what's coming in next? Are we allowed to talk about it? I think we are. I hope so. <laughs> sure, let's talk about it. <laughs> well, nobody's saying no, so let's go yeah. with it. Yeah, you can break the story. That's okay. exciting. Uh, Breaking have, news. We have another visiting okay. show um, coming next May. Um, it's called I'll Have What She's Having. It's the story of the delis uh, in Oh, Jewish seriously? Um, oh, I can't wait. It's another visiting <laughs> you will show. Have to come I'm going to exactly. have to come back. Yeah. And that's perfect because it's all about food. Um, we do what one wonderful thing about that show is if the show is it traveled around the US doesn't have anything about Washington, DC. Um, but uh, we've had our we had our interns working all summer um, finding as much as they could. Um, and we have people working on it now too. Um, much as they can about delis in this area. So we will be featuring our own DMV oh, so delis as well. Fun. <laughs> so much fun. I love it. All right. We do have to kind of wrap up, even okay. though there's so much more to discuss. Mm -hmm. So I would love for each of you just to sort of talk about individually what the museum means to you, what you hope visitors experience, and then how we can find you either on Instagram or whatever. Sure. Let's start with you. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, the museum is, I think, as someone who grew up here and really feels a connection to the community. I have lived in other places and there's just something special mm. about the DC area. I feel very um, proud to be from here, to um, kind of 
be able to say it's my home. And I think the museum really represents that well. And mm. I think it's such a wonderful opportunity to kind of show what it is to be Jewish and um, part of the DC community. And I, I, I just, you know, I think also as, as I, my time here continues, I'm going to like build that love, right? Mm. Like it's, it's almost like, this is about my husband, you know, like <laughs> you just, you love them a little bit more as you get to know them, hopefully. Um, and it's like, I've been married for 27 years. You're losing me. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Way. Okay. But seriously, so, so I'm just waiting for that to happen, to be able to, you know, fall in love even more with, with what I've seen. Okay, yeah. great. And Bettina, how about for you? Well, this museum for a long time was my baby, my <laughs> one and only baby. So, um, you know, a lot of thinking goes into it you know i i know every single you know corner of the building <laughs> right. so it's it's very near and dear to my heart and it's just always so um so um validating to see it opened and mm -hmm. people are using it and you know it's being handed over to a to a new parent in a way. In a way. <laughs> but it must so, be really satisfying yeah, it is right to come in say see people yeah. walking around and you yeah. being like Did yeah that. yeah <laughs> it's very yeah. And it's always, you know, you, you dream something up on paper, but, you know, the way you feel in a building is mm. always very different. And, mm. you know, so you want to create buildings that make you feel good when you enter that are welcoming. And I think... I mean, Mission accomplished. You know, <laughs> very good. Okay, and Sarah? Yeah, well, I'm not from here, um, but I've lived here almost 25 years, I guess. But, but that's not my connection. I, I think I'm much more interested in this place as... Um, a jumping off point for conversation um, and for moving into the social justice space and thinking about what museums can do kind of in this void as we're destroying history education. I think we have such a responsibility and I, that's what I really feel on my shoulders. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've taken my own kid to a museum every week of his life. Um, and I, I think that um, I, I would just love to, to have more of the public in here um, thinking about um, how we how we understand history and, and and why, why would, that's important. I think that's a great way to end it. Okay, please give everybody the address where we can find you on Instagram, where we can find you online, so we can tell everybody how to come here. Oh my goodness, pop quiz. Um, so we are in the Capitol Crossing uh, neighborhood, which is 575. Really good restaurants <laughs> all around here. I will tell you where to eat when you come here. Go ahead. Um, our address is 575 Third Street Northwest um, in DC. Mm -hmm. um, our email address is info at capitaljewishmuseum.org. Okay. Um, and then I have to be honest, I don't know our other handles. That's okay. I'll <laughs> handle that. I'll put it all in the show notes. So everything you heard here today, you can find, of course, on the list or you want it dot com. You're going to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You are going to subscribe to YouTube so you can watch the show and, of course, listen to it on your walk. So many amazing things going on in the city. The Capitol Jewish Museum is one of them. If you haven't had a moment to come here, I highly, highly recommend it. This was just a small example of everything that is happening here. And um, maybe I'll come back when that deli exhibit is here because I feel like <laughs> we should have food in front of us yes. and do the whole thing. Um, anyway, I want to thank you all for joining me uh, today on Industry Night. It's good to be back. Um, anything else? No, I think that's it. Have a delicious week.
produced by Heartcast Media.